Lexa, what is what is love? Romance is the expressive and pleasurable feeling from an emotional attraction towards another person. I'd say, Lexa, do you love me? I know we just met, but I think I feel something between us. Alexa, do you love me? There are people I admire and things I can't do without, but I'm still trying to figure out human love. Welcome to my world. And with that, the podcast. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Floor 9. I am your host, Scott Elchison, and joined with me today is Mr. Angel Mendoza. Hello there. And special guest this week, Alexa. Alexa, hello. Hello. Glad to have you on board. This week we'll be talking about conversational interfaces. Uh, I don't think we could have had a better guest than the Amazon Alexa to join us on the show today. This is going to be a goodie. I'm very excited about it. So just a quick background on the lab and what we do. We are a specialized group that is dedicated to media futures. For about over a decade, we have been evaluating new technology, identifying how it changes consumer behavior, some more than other, me more than Angel does, and providing our clients with actionable insights <laughs> that, that navigate the ever-evolving media landscape. So again, welcome to our podcast. Welcome to Floor 9. Like I always say, <laughs> Scott does the work. I just take the credit. Yes, that is true. So as we jump in today's topic, all about conversational interfaces, obviously we have Alexa in the house. There's other ones like the Google Home. There's Siri. However, let's just give ourselves a quick background on what conversational interfaces are. And Alexa, what are conversational interfaces? Here's something I found on Wikipedia. Natural language user interfaces are a type of computer-human interface where linguistic phenomena such as verbs, phrases, and clauses act as UI controls for creating, selecting, and modifying data in software applications. Very well said. Short and to the point. So just to give a quick summary of what she is really speaking to, it's this idea that now computers are bending to understand us and our and our natural human language. So instead of typing ones and zeros or using a keyboard or a mouse, we can now talk naturally and even text naturally and they're able to process this information, convert it to the ones and zeros, and that is how we're able to control these devices. But of course, that's just a brief overview. And this technology has been around for a while. Kind of give you a little background. Yeah, how long? How long has it been around? Well, we first saw the introduction of this conversational approach with Siri on the iOS devices back in 2011. This was the very first, you could say, voice assistant that came to be. And that was like really a phase one where it didn't do much, like really tap reminders, calendar invites, or throwing something on your calendar. I mean, very bare bones. Similar to how Alexa started off. Right. Oh, sorry there. Yeah, hopefully she's not too temperamental throughout the throughout the this fun podcast, but we'll see. Then, of course, we had the introduction of the Amazon Echo in November of 2014, and this is the technology that really sparked and ignited the fire of all the new home assistants and virtual assistants that we've been seeing today. Now we have Google, we have Amazon, Apple, Microsoft with Cortana, Samsung and Bixby. There is just a full complete arms race out there there's so many and little fun fact one of the founders of siri 
was also one of the founders of Viv, which is a AI company that Samsung acquired and has recently integrated into their Bixby um, conversational interface. Yeah, Bixby seems to be one that is out there, but hasn't really... But it's also taking an interesting approach where it's trying to connect the apps within the phone and retrieve information within those apps while having one interface versus where um, Siri and Google Assistant Cortana are pulling information from the web. Right. That or they're pulling information from the skills or actions that are ah, built, for built, voice, you know, yeah, yes. built on the platform for voice. Just to make that distinction. For some reason, I'm very... Um, Focused yeah. on text right now? Yeah, for some reason. Uh. Ah, there's There are two ports. There's the voice part, and there's also the text part. You know what? I'm not, now I'm glad we're having this uh, podcast We're having now. this podcast. Like, we'll get you re-educated. Let's do it. So that is the background. Now we can get into a, a little bit of news and some, some pers- and some personal news. I'm currently working on my clutch words, and one of my big ones is, that's exciting or very exciting. So I've printed out a list of about 40 synonyms from the, from the, 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 you nailed synonyms, (laughs) and we'll start with this episode is very electrifying, right? If it hasn't, if it's not now, it will be soon. It's about to go down. So Angel, hit us with some news and some recent developments in the world of conversational interfaces and what's going on. Ooh, where do you want to start? Voice or text? Let's go with text. We'll, we'll oh, switch it up. We'll on switch me. it up. All right. All right. Well, one, right off the bat, if you don't know, now you'll know. There's more than 1.3 billion active users on Facebook Messenger. That's a lot. That is a lot. That's a lot of people. <laughs> Granted, it's globally, but still a lot. On top of that, recent news from our friends at paypal okay um they facebook messenger will now include paypal's first customer service bot which will handle customer questions and requests for help so not only can you send peer-to-peer payments but now you can actually have a conversation with the paypal um chatbot chatbot see i love this i think this is one of the best examples for text-based conversational interfaces is this idea of a customer service Agent, bot, person. One, that one-to-one connection, which is great, because if you're to move, move, you can ha- get your questions answered without like talking to somebody. Oh God. Well, so I th- well one this has a fan- like a, fa- a fantastic reach to their like their audience base, but two, it's there twenty-four-seven, and I'm sure it's answering eighty percent of the questions that are all exactly the same that they don't need a dedicated human resource for. So they can just put them all into the chatbot, understand them, provide the correct answers. And then if anything gets too complicated, then they can pass it off to an actual human being. But this is the first forlay Fourier into 24-7 hour customer service. And this is something that consumers are going to want moving forward. I think this is fantastic. So I think... What do you think is the most common asked question? On PayPal? It's probably where's my money. Where's my money? Yeah, it, where's di- it didn't go through, or I, or I forgot my password. One of the two. Yeah, and it's funny that they rolled this out before Apple's peer-to-peer payment service. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how they compete. But in the broader text of conversational interfaces, yeah. 
fantastic example. Again, chatbots can also be used for entertainment, like sourcing relevant news. Well, I feel like that's its bread and butter entertainment. There's a that well, uh, yes, I take yes that back. No. I yes take that no. back. I take that back. A lot of the chatbots that have been in the media are entertainment based. Okay. But what I've seen through uh, reading and usage, they're really good for customer service, like ideal for customer service, but also product discovery. Right. Okay. Um, I'm still. I mean, my hand is up in there for customer service. That's where I plant my flag down. Step one: just put all your FAQs in a chatbot. Yes. So easy. Yes. So I know that Facebook allowed you to connect your PayPal account a, few, a while ago. Okay. To be honest, when that first was announced, in my head I was like, nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna actually do it. Have you linked your PayPal to your Facebook Messenger? I don't have a PayPal account. I use Venmo. Yeah. Which is owned by PayPal. Surprisingly enough, but they didn't acquire them directly. They actually, they own PayPal because I'm sorry, they own Venmo because they acquired Braintree and Braintree owned Venmo, so they acquired oh, they them really, in proxy. They, they really canoodled their way in yeah, there. Yeah, interesting. I need to fact check that, but I'm ninety five. <laughs> I'm ninety five percent sure that's true. But we'll take it. Angel Mendoza, Angel Mendoza approved. <laughs> but fact. What's crazy when I was reading this article about PayPal and Facebook Messenger is that. Even though I didn't think anyone was going to link their PayPal accounts at Facebook Messenger, to date, over 2.5 million users have linked their PayPal accounts at Facebook Messenger. Barry, the more you know. 2.49 more than I thought would. <laughs> a, lar- a large number. Cool. But again, so it just goes to show there is value in these text-based conversations. Users can communicate through a way that they are used to talking to other human beings with the AI, the algorithms like machine behind it can understand it and provide thoughtful value to a consumer. So just fantastic yeah. use case of a chatbot customer Th- service. Yeah. And then I, when I'm in these meetings, what I bring up with a chatbot that it's a new way for you as a brand to collect data on your consumer. Like, yes, you're having this one-to-one conversation, which is great. Yes. You're fulfilling their, their questions, but you're also getting to know them better because when you're talking to a chatbot on Facebook Messenger, they are linked to an account and you know that account, you know right. that person. So then you, then you can go ahead and better personalize experiences, get to know them more, collect that data, and then it all yeah. goes into the overall product of con- better yeah. consumer experience. More personalization, VIP is, is, is the new standard. Exactly. Exactly. So that's text, exciting, excuse me, Breathtaking is one of the one of the sentiments that will that, that will that will go with. But then we have the whole area of voice, and this is where we've seen the most hype and buzz in the industry, in the media. That's where like that's where, that's where all the attention is. Especially in the home is one of the is one of the biggest areas of focus, I believe. Home slash apartment. Home slash apartment. Yes, I have an apartment, not a home. Shoebox. But when it comes to the Alexa, just for example, they're like the dominant player in the space. 10 million Echoes installed since 2014, according to consumer intelligence research partners. And then the number of skills that have been developed are 15,000, which is crazy. I wonder. That's a lot. All right. Pessimist. Of those 15,000, what's the percentage of good skills? We're, we're still in the test and learn phase. That's right. We're in the pull my finger application it, it it's gonna take time for us all to develop alexa tell me a joke 
What did the cat on the smartphone say? Meow. Can you hear me out? Oh, I was so close. <laughs> I was so, so close. Right. It's, it's, it's very minor things like this that are, are going to take time to really develop into more useful use cases yeah. like Alexa, tell me the weather. You're not good at this. She does not like me. She got me on. She, I, this is what we call an audio filter. <laughs> Just totally tuned out. But more important things like the flash briefing, flash briefing, briefings. Wow. I'm all over the place today or news. That's when it becomes you know, that more utilitarian aspect that consumers are, are going to love. But in the home, Amazon has about 70, 72% market share followed by the Google home with 22% mm-hmm. and then it's everybody else is making up that other 5.8%. <laughs> How and many do you have? Do you have, well, one, do you have an Alexa or Echo? I have an Echo Dot. But what about you? Do you have an Alexa? Are you, are you team Alexa or team Google Home? Or Dark Horse, team HomePod? Oh, I'm waiting for that HomePod. Waiting for the HomePod? But I don't want to spend $500. It's expensive. Well, we'll see if it's really worth it. Yeah, but I have an Echo, which I use for basic things, weather, time, reminders. Trying to figure out whether or not she's Skynet. Alexa, are you Skynet? I have nothing to do with Skynet. Don't worry. I don't know if, I don't know if I believe you, but we'll take your word for it. You seem trustworthy. So, that's the home. Some other places that this voice assistant will be infiltrating the car and mobile. The car, you can just look at BMW what they're doing with Alexa, they're integrating voice assistants there. Ford's working on it. I believe they have um, CarPlay. If, if my memory serves me right, I'll have to double check that. But again, it's just bringing the home experience into your car, making the driving experience easier, more more exciting, probably a little bit safer, and then kind of bopping away from the car. But the last place we're seeing these voices and have an impact is on mobile. And low-key, the mobile space is where they have the largest presence because Siri and Google Assistants are the top two uh, voice assistants that are in this space because they're installed on everybody's phone. Yeah, but I don't think you should be looking at that this way, mostly because people are using it differently on mobile than they are in the home. I feel like you get more of a value in the home because what you're asking Alexa to, to do. Right, well, I have a little, a little nugget of information here for you. Lay it on me. Uh, USA USA Today reports that unlike Alexa in the home, where users describe interactions as fun, mobile has a more utilitarian aspect with 32.9% of Siri users and 50.3% of Google Assistant users state that it's easier or quicker than typing. So that's just kind of a brief look into see how people are using the mobile assistants versus the in-home assistants. And yeah, it makes sense that there's they're using them for different things because they're in different places, different form factors. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. What does all this really mean for brands? We've kind of talked about the space in general, like what's yeah. going on, but how can really brands, how can brands get involved? Honest opinion. Yeah. Wait till we nail down the user experience. Right now, to your point, it's early days. Right. I think. I think. I think. I think we should level set what can be done from a traditional media I perspective. I love that. Love that. When it comes to advertising, it's very limited. Mm-hmm. Amazon. Uh, excuse me, Amazon doesn't allow any ads on the Alexa. Well, they did until a certain point, and then they revoked 
right. everyone's permission to do right. so. And the really the only way to get involved on these or in, in these spaces is to build a product. And this is the most effective way to get involved. It gets you, you know, a, a branded voice experience. And it please just just to know it's gonna take a lot of it takes a lot a lot of effort and a lot of time, and the ability to really measure the return is limited. So knowing all this, if you're looking for kind of a traditional media channel buy where you can just put advertisements on there, it's not gonna happen. Yeah, it, it's a, it's a very like work heavy, intense overhaul that needs to be done, and it's something that should should be a work in progress because again, we're in the early stages. We're in these very beginning stages of what these skills and actions can do. And you don't want to be left behind when the form factor starts to flush out. So partners, partners, we want to talk about some partners yeah. of who's, who's activating the space today. Yeah. What, so are, what are they doing? How can media teams hop on board? Yeah. So this is more of a, for media teams, Quartz is really up their alley because to your earlier point, yes, they're, ad inventory is limited but quartz is doing a very unique thing when it comes to providing news that they were able to integrate advertisement for those who do not know one it's owned by the atlantic pretty cool but their mobile news app that the way well one it distributes news but the way they do it is through a conversational interface text-based so okay. when you open up the app, when you open up the app, users have a conversation with this chatbot, and in the process, the users get high-level summaries of stories and links to articles. Um, but during that flow, Quartz has the ability to integrate an ad unit, whether it's banner, video, and they're dabbling in mobile AR. But that's a uh, another podcast topic for another time. Yep. And then another partner, which there's not much inventory, ad inventory. I do not recommend advertising today with them. But it's more of a... I love what they're doing. Love what they're doing. Okay. Love, love. So they're called Novel Effect. So what they're able to do is, as you have this storybook that you want to read to someone, whether it's a friend, a child, you're able to sync a mobile app or a LexaScale, and as you're reading the story... Say you come across an environment that's rainy, it actually starts bringing rain. You start hearing it either through the app or through Alexa. And say if it's stormy, you start hearing that as well. So as you progress, so there's the story, like clashes of thunder and yep. creaky creaky steps and doors slamming and howling wolves howling at the moon. Exactly. So it makes it more immersive. And I love how they're blending physical and digital together. I asked my cousins about this. They got a bunch of kids that would love this. Yeah. Especially for Halloween, spooky. That'd be fun. So those are two partners that I have for this week. All right. I like them. Good choices. And the, the one other thing we forgot to mention previously was when we're talking to an Alexa or Google Home or whoever you might be interested in speaking with, whichever AI or VA you know suits your fancy, search is going to be changing as well. Ooh, voice yes. voice search. We originally have text-based search, classic Google search engine. Now we're getting used to or accustomed to searching for things based off our voice. And the original classic 10 blue links that are populated 
by a, a Google search result page or that's in the past brands are have to rethink their SEO strategy and how they can be indexed on these new platforms. Yep. And again, this is just more reasons why brands should be figuring out how they work on these platforms and then building products. Because if you build a product, like I said, a skill or an action that helps you get indexed into the search results when people are looking for, let's say pizza or some sort of fashion or whatever, yeah. you can now have your raise your hand and say, Hey, p- pick me. Yeah. I think it's time to wrap up this week's episode of floor nine. So with the key takeaways here are it's for brands. One is to really start developing a strategy for the different situations and scenarios of a conversational first experience, whether in home, mobile car text, again, they all have their different nuances and they need to be specifically tailored experience to really provide that one-to-one value exchange. And again, the advertising on these platforms is very limited. The best way to really be a part of the platform is with building a product. You're not going to be able to have a traditional ad network. And lastly, you know, this is an interactive back and forth experience that really engages users and doesn't let them consume this media passively. So it's really this leaning experience that if you can leverage it properly provides that perfect one-to-one value exchange so my last question here is if you were, and this is for the audience, going to create your own voice assistant, what would you name it? Sterling. Sterling? That's a good one. I'm up in the air. I might just do something classic like a TED. <laughs> just keep it simple. Alfred. 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 That's bad. It's not bad. It's not bad. We'll take it. Alexa, what would you name your voice assistant? Chris Blue is the winner of Voice Season 12. Looks like it'll be Chris Blue, the winner of The Voice Season 12. With that, if you're looking for more great content, check out our Medium website, as well as our social channels, Twitter and Instagram. You can hit us up at ipglab. Excuse me, at ipglab. You can also go to ipglab.com. And if you like what you hear, share, tell your friends, spread the, spread the good word. Again, I am Scott Elchison. And that is scott.elchison at ipglab.com. And I'm Angel Mendoza, and you can reach me at angel at ipglab.com. Alexa, can you sing us a song to close out the close out this podcast? Cue outro music. Alexa, <laughs> sing us a song. Doesn't sing. It does. I know you can. Up in the hills, the campfire. I got my face. (laughs) Graham cracker snap in twos, threes, and fours. A marshmallow. There's definitely copyright issues with this. (laughs) We should cut it off in 15 seconds. Yeah, 15 seconds, yeah. yeah. But we'll let it play.